I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We're going to be at the end of the book, we, or end of the chapter. We have been kind of, we started at 1-1 and we're going little by little. And we've come to the end of chapter 13 today. And we'll read beginning in verse 11. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Well, I have to say, you're, you're my kind of people. To brave, you know, the, the just harsh Oregon winter to come this morning. Most of you know I grew up in Montana. And so I have, I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with snow. I woke up uh, first thing this morning and I was there getting my coffee and my eyes were like this. And that just happened to open, you know, open them a little bit uh, before they had the coffee and noticed the deck was white. And so my first thought was, oh, because growing up in Montana, I learned to hate the snow. I mean, it, it's, it blows, it's cold, it's, I mean, it's life-threatening in Montana. Oh. And then I thought, no, I'm in Oregon. It means we get the day off. Yes! <laughs> that I've learned to really love, actually. And then I realized, wait a minute. This can't just up and can't. It's Sunday. God's people are going to gather. I can't just like throw Sunday away. And so then I had to really think about, okay, how are we going to navigate the morning and, you know, cancel the first service and here we are today. But the reason that we didn't just cancel and take the day off is because the time is short. I mean, I was thinking about the text. I mean, had we been preaching on a different text, I might have canceled. I'm just going to say. And the Lord seems to make me, you know, give me that pressure sort of every week. But it starts out by telling us that time is short. And so, we're going to look at, you know, how we're to love and how we're to live when the time is short. This morning, and because the time was short, I said, well, we're not going to cancel today. Time's short. We're going to meet together and move forward this morning. Well, it starts like this. It starts by saying, besides this, you know the time. Besides what? Besides this. And what he's doing is he's talking about what has just come before, in addition to the fact that love is fulfilling the law, that that you ought to fulfill God's law by loving one another and loving your neighbor and loving the person who is different from you. Besides this, 
You know the time. In other words, don't just love people when you get around to it. Don't simply be casual about the way that you treat other people because there is a sense of urgency about the need to love other people. That's where, that's where he starts. So that's what the besides this is. Besides the fact that you already have heard the blah, blah, blah about love. It's not just blah, blah, blah. There is a sense of um, the shortness of time that we have to fulfill the requirements of God and to love one another. And so he says, besides this, you know the time. And then he uses words that we're not so um, well familiar with, or we're familiar with them in other ways. He says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And as you think about that, you think, well, I thought that when I believe, I receive salvation. Right? I mean, that's sort of how it's sold to you, right? That if you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And that is true. And the certainty of your salvation comes to you when you do believe. And so I want to remind all of you of the necessity of your own personal faith in Jesus Christ. That you cannot save yourself. That there's nothing that you can do that will make you acceptable before God. You must receive Jesus and His righteousness and His goodness and His forgiveness by faith. And when you do, you are assured of your salvation. Yet, you don't necessarily experience your salvation You might believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Those are other ways that we sometimes talk about that. So you might receive Jesus as your personal Savior. And you go to bed one night and you wake up the next morning and you look in the mirror and you're the same. And you think, how is that? I thought I was saved, right? Well, the reality is that your salvation will ultimately be experienced still in the future. When Jesus returns and makes all things right. See, this is really the the beautiful hope of the Christian. The hope of the Christian is partially that now you can live today and tomorrow and the next day knowing that your sin is forgiven and your guilt is taken away. You can know that you have peace with God and that you can be made right with Him. You can know that 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 is the way it is if you believe. But you know, you're still going to have problems. There's still going to be people in your life that are difficult. You're still going to get sick. People still lose their jobs. The whole thing. It's going to be only one day still in the future when God will make all of that right. And we're told in the last book of the Bible that He's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. And God will be their God and they will be His people. And it's God's going to make it right in the end.
That is the Christian hope. That is the salvation he's talking about. For salvation, that, that salvation is nearer now than it was when you believed. That's the good news, right? I mean, somebody told you, I hope, and if not, I'm telling you this morning, that you must believe in Jesus so that you might be saved. And once you believe, you go day by day by day by day until the ultimate salvation that you experience when the Lord returns and sets all the wrongs in the world right. Now, we forget that, I think. We forget that the great Christian hope is that Jesus wins in the end. The great Christian hope is that God establishes actively His rule and we live life as it's meant to be lived. Instead of now living in a world that's broken and uh, full of sorrow and suffering. And that's the salvation that's nearer now. And when you wake up tomorrow, it's going to even be nearer than it is today. And one day, one day you will fully experience all that God has for you. But until then, it's fits and starts. It's trying and failing. It's getting up again. Being hurt again. But one day, it's going to be different. That's, that's the hope we started off in Taylor's reading earlier today. That all creation groans. I mean, it's, it's not just us. It's not just us hoping that it's going to be better. Oh, it says all creation groans waiting for the adoption of sons. The redemption of our bodies. The one day when God returns and makes everything new. And that day is getting nearer every moment. Well, beyond that, then, he uses a different way of expressing it. He says, the night is far gone and the day is at hand. So the, the image is one that you've experienced in the last, I'll say, six hours or so. Right? The, day, the night is far gone and the day is at hand. So what I think he has in view is the same thing, only with a different image. So the the time we are living in now is a time of darkness. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know, am I? All you have to do is pick up the newspaper and you realize this is a time of darkness. All you have to do is is to have conflict with somebody and you realize, you know what, that's not how it's supposed to be. Now is the time of darkness. It is night time. And one day, the day is going to come. So, And what he has in view here is that there is light on the horizon. That, that, that salvation that's nearer now than it was, you can sort of see it coming. That's his picture. And so there is this gap between the time you believe and the time you experience the full benefits of your belief. That's the dawn time. So, I mean, he's talking in in broad categories that have to do with the way that he views the world. And I mean, I want to encourage you to view the world the same way. That this is not the best of times. best of times is still coming. The light is on the horizon. And the Lord is going to return. 
But right now, the night is far gone. That's the way he's viewing it. So, just like, I mean, he's, he's setting us up, just like you get up in the morning and you put off the pajamas and you put on the clothes for the day, that's what he's, that's what he's setting us up for when he uses the image, the night is gone and the day is at hand. You're going to need to get dressed properly. And so he says, you know the time. And it's important, it's important that you recognize that time is short. I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian to recognize that time is short. That you all get 168 hours every week. That you stack a few weeks on top of one another and you get a year. And we don't have that many years left. Especially if you take the grand scheme of things, time is short. And you need to know the time. You need to know that you don't have forever to do what God wants you to do. You don't have forever. <laughs> this is the message here. You need, we need to get with the program. Okay, we, we need to have a sense of urgency about the time. I want you to see these, this sort of flow of time that that Paul says that the, the Christian way of looking at time, you might say, he, he talks about Jesus. And he says that Jesus was given to show the righteousness of God at the present time. That He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And then he goes on in Romans chapter 5 to say, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. There is a timeliness to the coming of Christ. He has done it at the right time so that you and I might have the right appreciation for time. And then he says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy, not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. And so there is a time between the coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ in which you and I are presented with Jesus to believe or not to believe in Him. And there is that gap, and that gap He sees as filled with urgency because that time is short. And so because the time is short, we can't dilly-dally. We, we have to wake up. In, in other words, the time to wake up is now. And what happens is that, I mean, sin does a number of things to us. I mean, sin causes us to be uh, at odds with God. Sin breaks our relationships with other people. Sin uh, damages our soul. But the other thing about sin that you need to know is that sin causes us to be groggy about the real nature of things. It causes us to have this stupor like we're not, we're, we don't know where we are and we don't know what time it is. I mean, I, I don't know. Sunday afternoons, the other thing you need to know about me is that Sunday afternoons are my nap time. And if I get just a little nap, I'm good. But if I have a really great afternoon and I get a long nap. Have you ever had those long naps where you wake up? 
and you just have absolutely no bearings about where you are in the world. Absolutely no idea what is happening in there. You know, you're, you're squinting and you can't clear your mind. Sin does that to us about reality. Sin makes us that groggy about what the world is really like. And so, we view the world in a way that is only half awake. And the message from Paul to the church at Rome, the message from God to you, is it's time to wake up. It's time to get clear about how the world works. Don't be half asleep, half awake. Now is the time for you to get with the program. That's what I was always told when I was growing up. Get with the program. We always had a program and I had to get with it. Never wrote, to, never revolved around me. It was just somebody else's program and I had to get with it. That's the way it is here. Get with the program. Okay, and, and it's God's program. And this is what, this is what He's setting us up for so that we know that Time is short. There's a sense of urgency. And you think about it. I mean, you think about it. You don't have that much time. You can't waste an afternoon just vegging before the TV. And you'll never get it back. And the, you know, judgment day and the day of salvation is nearer after that afternoon that's wasted than it is now. So don't waste it any longer. This is how he says not to waste it. Alright, he's, he's, you know, besides this, besides being urgent about loving other people, he says you need to live like Jesus. And so, the first thing you do, this is again the morning image that he's working on, it's still dark, but the dawn is on the horizon and the day is coming. So, cast off the works of darkness. Cast off the works of darkness. Or, you could even say, just take off the works of darkness. A little less dramatic. But I think the idea is that you've got these works of darkness as part of your former life. Just you know, take them off. And then he tells us, put on the armor of light. So there is this, this aspect of getting dressed here. Putting off one, putting on the other. And he starts by saying, cast off the works of darkness. The works of darkness that he has in mind are listed here. So it isn't just put off any old thing. What he has in mind is put off especially. He's got three sets of two things. Put these off. Orgies and drunkenness. Now, it's going to be more clear if 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 the, the first word were translated carousing. Okay, probably is better translation, carousing. Not in carousing and drunkenness. This first, this, this first pair of words has to do with the fact that uh, too many of us medicate the pain of life. Too many of us think that life is really about the, um, the state of being that is you know, not in your right mind. That this life is about being drunk, not sober. He's saying, sober up. You're not gonna, don't walk in carousing and drunkenness anymore. It has no place in the new life. That's the old life. And I think what happens is that 
you know, too many people spend their time and their energy living for the weekend as though if I just have this, um, this feeling of freedom on the weekend, that's going to make my life. And he said, that's part of the old life. The new life is different. So put away that. Realize that you're not going to need to medicate out of reality. You can instead embrace reality when you trust in Jesus. So the first thing has to do with drunkenness and the, and the, the, the ruin that alcohol brings in so many lives. That's, I think, what he has in mind. I'm, I'm sure you could easily broaden it to, to talk about the um, uh, other uh, marijuana and other drugs that will, in fact, take you out of your right mind. And so, he said, that part, that's part of the old life. Put, put that away. The second pair has to do with sexual immorality. Not in sexual immorality or sensuality. That there is, a, there is a view of human sexuality that says this is all there is. That loves the stimulation. And he said, you know what? There is a, there is a place for sex. And there is a delight in sex, but when it dominates your life, it's part of the old life. Put it away. And don't give yourself to that. Don't give, take away from yourself, and we'll see in a minute, take away from yourself the opportunities that you have to even immerse yourself in that world. And then the third pair is quarreling and jealousy. This has to do with the interpersonal uh, strife that you have with other people. And he said the time is short. You know, you don't you don't have time to be to be drunk anymore. The time is short. You don't have to be time to be preoccupied with sex anymore. The time is short. You need to stop fighting with one another and forgive. And step into relationships, not away from relationships. And so he sees these three pairs of things as the works of darkness that, that we have to put away. And so I don't know what it is for you, but, but those things are the things that cling, aren't they? Those are the things that you get to the, um, you get, you trust Jesus as your Savior, you get into this new life, and the habits and the ways of life from the former life are the things that cling. And so he very simply says, you know, put those off. Take those off. You're going to need a change of clothes here. So get rid of those works of darkness. And instead, in its place, put on the armor of light. So there is a change of clothes. And, and really, this is very uh, common. It says this in Galatians. It says it in Ephesians. It says it in um, Colossians. That the way we live the Christian life is that we're not trying to do better so God accepts us. 
But rather, we have trusted in Jesus the time you first believed, he says, and you've been given a new set of clothes. You've been given this change. You know what? Put it on. Accept it. Go around in this new way of living. That's the whole idea of getting dressed here. So put on the armor of light. It's interesting, he doesn't describe the armor of light. Uh, Those of you that are familiar with the Ephesians chapter 6 might be, you know, might desire to import all of the armor of God that he talks about in Ephesians 6. I don't think that's what he's talking about though. I think what he's talking about is the fact that it is going to be hard to get rid of the old life and to put on the new life. It's going to be a battle. But do it anyway. And particularly, putting on this armor of light, if you're putting on the armor of light, you're going to live as though it's daytime, right? So here we are in this in-between time when the, 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 the horizon is light there. And we're still in the dark. And he's saying, this is how you live in the dark now. In the dark now, you live with the armor of light. You live as walking properly in the daytime. Even though you're in the dark. You see, what we have now, are we have, we, we have people who are stuck in between. We're living in the darkness as people of light. We're living in the nighttime as people of the day. And the characteristic then that is different about those who have believed in Jesus is that they now live as children of the day even though it's dark outside. Which makes them look quite a bit different than the people who are wandering around in in a dark or drunken stupor, right? Let us walk properly or in a way that matches the daytime. And so I'm trying to think about, okay, what kind of activities would match the daytime? Frankly, that's one of the reasons we didn't cancel this morning. Because worship and being with God's people is one of the things that happens in the daytime. I mean, that's going to that's be one of the things that happens for all of eternity. When the, the, the light of uh, heaven is so bright that there's no need of the sun. That's definitely daytime. And so, let's walk as people of the day in a way that fits the daytime. And so, I hope that one of the things that will happen for you is that you'll just sort of sit back and you'll, you'll think about your life. I mean, this is really easy to do if you do it. Okay? Is that you'll go and you'll just think about you know, what you're doing this afternoon. Okay? You'll fast forward about three hours or four hours, right? You're thinking about this afternoon. You're thinking about, is this activity a daytime activity or a nighttime activity? Okay? Maybe you fast forward six hours and you turn on TV. You say, so is this, uh, is this programming daytime programming or nighttime programming? Okay? So you fast forward, you know, another 16 hour. I got my math probably not right. But middle of the day on Monday, okay? And you're having a conversation at work. And you, you catch yourself saying, is this a 
daytime conversation I'm having or am I talking like a person in the nighttime? You see, really, when you think about the various activities you do in isolation as daytime activities or nighttime activities, especially when you have the, the nighttime activities described as carousing and drunkenness, sexual immorality and sensuality, quarreling and jealousy, it really is pretty easy to say, well, this is kind of a nighttime activity. I shouldn't be doing that. Got to put that away. This is a daytime activity. See, that's really sort of the beauty of the simplicity here is that you just put on the daytime stuff. Now, the reason you can put on the daytime stuff is that it has been given to you by your faith in Christ. It has been given to you by grace through faith and you're just to live in it. And so, put on the armor of light. Now, just in case that wasn't simple enough, he wants to say it again. So he says the same thing again. Okay, in a different way. Maybe you'll hear it differently this time. But, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, what does he, what does he mean by that? He simply means to put on essentially the lifestyle of the Lord Jesus Christ that you claim and that you received when you first trusted in Christ. And so I think about that, right? I think about the way I go throughout the day. And I mean, I get up in the morning just like I get dressed in the morning. I want to have a little window of time in the morning. It just says, Lord Jesus, I'm Yours today. I want to live like You today. I want to love like You today. I want to represent You today. I want to put on the Lord Jesus Christ today. And so it's just a practical application of the things that you know to be true about Jesus. Put it on in your life. So that's, I think, the message here. The flip side of the message, which he's already talked about when he talked about the works of darkness, is make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Okay, you're going to. This is making an assumption here, right? We've already said put off the works of darkness, the the um, medicating, put off the sexuality or the sensuality, put off the fighting. But here, here, here he gives us a little bit of a tip, I would say. And that tip is, it's really hard to chop those out of your life if you're cutting them at the top. But if you cut them out at the root, it's a little bit different. So make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now when he's talking about the flesh, he's not talking about your body necessarily. So that I'll make no provision for the flesh. So I'm not going to eat lunch today. It's not, it's not what he's got in mind. The flesh, as he talks about it in Romans, is the old life. The life that you had apart from Christ. And so, that life you had apart from Christ, don't make provision to go back there. Which means, you can make a study 
of when you find the worst temptations, right? And don't just say, I'm going to go into that situation and I'm going to fight those temptations really hard. Stay out of that situation altogether. You see, a, I mean, you have a, you have a hard time with the, the people from your past who invite you back in to, um, you know, carousing and drunkenness. Guess what? Find new friends. You have a hard time. You have a hard time when you get on your computer all by yourself, not looking at porn. Then don't do that. I mean, don't get there and say, today I'm going to fight it. Tell you what, get a, um, a filter. Get an accountability partner. Do something different before you get in the moment. See, most of us sort of give ground to sin. So much ground to sin. And then we think at the very end, I'm going to really win this time. You know what? You're not going to. Okay? Fighting, fighting sin at the, at the end is much harder than it is at fighting sin in the beginning. So cut off the opportunity. That's, that's the message here. Make no provision for the flesh. Okay, have a plan. You find people you fight with, right? Have a plan when you when you meet them. Okay, uh, they they come at you. Same, you've been around the bush before, right? You've had the same fight before, and you know it's coming. And they come at you, and you can come back just like you have every other time, and you end up with a fight. What if you had a different plan? So that rather than you know you start going back and forth, and then try and stop. Before you even get with them, you have a plan, and you say, "You know what? I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say this today. I can't go there. Okay, just going to say that. I'm going to see if that helps me make no provision for the fights that I would normally have. Okay. Now I'm going to say this <clears throat> to gratify its desires. Why? Why do people get stuck in carousing and drunkenness? Because there is a temporary sense of relief. There is a temporary sense of, um, uh, uh, of high or a buzz. And there is a desire for that. Cut it off ahead of time. Right? Why do people pursue uh, sexual immorality and sensuality? Because they, their body desires it. I'm not going to say there's no desire there. I'm just saying don't fight it once you're way into it. Fight it ahead of time. That's the beauty of what he's saying here is that here is the strategy to win against sin. So the time to fight uh, or to, to do battle with your uh, temptation to fight other people is not after you've already started raising your voice, but much, much earlier. And so the, the beauty of this is that here He's helping us to say, you know what, I'm going to go into that conversation putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to go into that situation with the armor of light. I'm going to live in that situation as somebody who lives in the daytime, not at night. And you go in ahead of time with the plan. Go ahead of time fighting it. 
Don't wait till after the fact. And so he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now here, what he's done for us is he's contrasted the old life and the new. The darkness and the light. The before you have faith in Jesus and the after you have faith in Jesus. And I hope for you that you can see the difference even in your own life. And if you can't, I mean, he's he's writing to people who can't. And so he says, this is the way that you sort it out. One of the the great things to happen, I'm going to say, in the history of the church was that there was a um, there was a bishop actually who um, well actually there was there was a young man who was he wasn't a bishop yet I guess the young man who was fighting the old life with everything he had and he was um, he had already fathered a child without getting marrying the mother he had already uh, been lived a life of drunkenness and um, debauchery. And he had a faithful mother who prayed for him all the time. Many of you have faithful mothers too. And he fled. And he went up and he, he, was, uh, he, was, he was visiting a, a, a bishop of the church hoping that, to be absolved. And he was out in the garden and he heard a voice behind him saying, take and read, take and read, take and read. A little sing-song child's voice. And he picked up uh, the Scriptures and he read Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14 that said, put off, uh, the, deeds of, uh, put off the, the deeds of darkness. Put off the, the drunkenness and the sexuality and the fighting. And put on the Lord Jesus. And it was in that moment when he picked it up and read it that he realized that what belonged to his old life was the only way he would escape the old life was if he actually trusted in Jesus and put on the Lord Jesus and began to live as the Lord Jesus would live. And he did that. And I say it's one of the greatest moments in the history of the church because that young man's name was Augustine. And he became the foremost theologian in the history of the church, probably outside the Apostle Paul. And his, his new life began when he read the verses and he saw for the first time the difference in the old life and the new, the darkness and the light. And so, this morning, I uh, offer to you that kind of change. That kind of new life in Jesus that isn't just different because I feel like I believe it. It's different because it's a different kind of life. And just like there was for him, who he just despaired of ever winning against the old way. And just like him, there is an urgency about your need to decide for Jesus. And to live for Him. There is an urgency about living a different way today. Because the, 
The darkness is far gone. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. And it's about to dawn and you want to be ready. And so may God help us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Let's pray. Oh, great God and Father, we, we just recognize our inability to live as we ought to live, to do what we ought to do. We've tried. We failed. We come to You now asking that You would forgive us and make us into people of the light. It says in Colossians, transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Your dear Son. And so, Father, we trust that only You can do that. We can't do that by our own effort. But God, would You help us now to live as children of the light. Help us to make no provision for the old ways of life, but to get rid of them. Would You clear them out? Would You give us grace every day to be rid of those old things? Father, would You chop them off at the root and would You help us to hate the old life and to find joy in the foretaste of that glorious day when the light does dawn and we find ourselves in Your presence. And so we look forward to that day and we hope in it because of the name of Jesus. Amen.